Let us pray. God, may your word spoken and heard give us an appetite for nothing less than your good news. Change us this moment, this hour. In your holy name we pray. Amen. You know, some words just get into you and they become a forever gift. Um, maybe you've heard an I love you that continues to echo from someone who means the world to you. Or maybe there was a quote or a sermon or something a Sunday school teacher or a song on the radio. Something happened. You know, some words get into you and they become this forever gift. So there's a guy named Wayne Dyer. I'm sure that you might have heard of the guy. He's a motivational speaker. He, uh, he's the late Wayne Dyer. When PBS needs to raise a lot of money, they put Wayne up there to do his stuff, right? And in my 20s, when I wasn't really sure what God was calling me to do, Wayne Dyer, motivational speaker, came into my life. And he often quoted these lines from, of all books, Moby Dick, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. He would say, he would quote this from Moby Dick. For as this appalling ocean surrounds the verdant land, so in the soul of man there lies one insular Tahiti, full of peace and joy, but encompassed by all of the horrors of the half lived life and I have just never been able to forget those words insular Tahiti the horrors of the half-lived life he would say that very often and a lot of times he would follow it up with this phrase don't let your music die inside you I began to devour in my 20s all of these Wayne Dyer books one in particular is called you'll believe it when you see it and it led me, ironically, to surrender to the call to go into the ordained ministry. I had been in 93, you know, I, I kind of felt God pulling me in that direction. I joke around and say I tried to give God, you know, six months to change God's mind on it. But it just wouldn't work. And then God sent me Wayne Dyer to read, right? It's weird because he was, a, he was sort of a new age guru. Um, he lived in Hawaii. He was uber rich. He made a fortune speaking engagements in large rooms all over the world. It's weird that Wayne would be a part of my calling. Because Wayne was a harsh critic of organized religion altogether. But, you know, God's got a great sense of humor. God used Wayne Dyer to get me to this pulpit for 27 years or so. It's been crazy. But you see, in, as, in my 20s, I was also reading the Bible. And I noticed there were so many stories about Jesus in the Gospels dragging his disciples on his walking and speaking tour of Israel in the first century. Stories like today. Now, after some really bad news that John the Baptist had been executed by Herod at his birthday party, of all things, Jesus tries to get away. And he goes to a deserted place. But he can't because thousands and thousands of men, women, and children pursue him. 
Perhaps they too heard the news, the real sad news about John the Baptist. Since uh, he, John the Baptist was an incredible motivator speaker back in the day who was a very harsh critic of the church. They were wandering, perhaps under the curse, all these people of the half-lived life for anything that might get them to their insular Tahiti. And Jesus saw them. Not an unimportant thing. He saw them. It says, so many people are convinced they're invisible. They're desperate to be seen. They need to be reminded that they exist. But they don't even see themselves anymore. And all these people were following him desperate. Jesus had compassion on them. He identifies with them. He sees their wounds. I call it deep empathy. It's what every follower of Jesus should be cultivating. A deep, deep empathy. Empathy to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. So he heals them. So he's doing all this stuff. So much uh, for his time away, right? He's trying to get away, but he can't. He throws himself in the middle of their hurts. Can you imagine how excited they were? Somebody who maybe was blind, who could see again, or someone who couldn't walk, begins, I bet there was some dancing and shouting going on by that lake. But the disciples, still in training, are not seeing the dancing because what are they looking at? Their watches. Time to, hey Jesus, time to do a benediction, bud. We got to keep moving on. It's time to go. We can send them out to the to the city so that we can beat the Baptists to the white meat. You know, come on, Jesus, let's go. Let's go. Holy Spirit's, Holy Spirit's good for an hour. Come on, Jesus. Let somebody else feed them. Send, send them away empty. And then Jesus says, you feed them. They say, we got nothing, which is not true, is it? It's a lie. They don't have nothing. What do you have? Two fish, five loaves. Give what you have to me, says Jesus. And so... He commands the people to sit down in the grass and after blessing them, after blessing what they had in his hands, he fed 5,000, right? Actually wrong. He does, Jesus doesn't feed the 5,000. He feeds the 12. And then they feed the 5,000. Here in the middle of nowhere, there was nothing but an awesome feast in a desert, in the wilderness, there's a lot of echoes here of Moses leading his people out. So there's some parallels here for sure. I think that the, the writer of Matthew wants us to, to be thinking about. It's a feast so different than the horrors of the half-life of the kind of feast that Herod served or that Pharaoh served. It's a feast where full life is the result. To get completely filled up. My cup, oh God, runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is not survival, it's a miracle. Jesus sends away the people, but they're not empty. They're full and they're delighted, they're healed, they're singing and dancing. No one in Christ's economy is ever sent away empty. No such thing as half love. Half apathy, half joy and half despair, half generosity and half single, uh, stinginess. No, we're talking about full, abundant, 12 basket leftover in the middle of nowhere kind of abundance. Notice, nobody in the crowds 
even really realize that I guess they thought Jesus got catering or something because they don't go, wow, what a miracle. The only people that see the miracle are the disciples because they're part of it. An insular Tahiti breaks out in the land of the lost, struggling, the invisible. There's nothing. This is our exodus. This is our exodus. Life was meant to be lived fully in Christ. We receive and we join in the feeding. To follow Jesus is to experience exodus. So here's sort of fulfilled life rule number one. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. You see, the disciples had to be a part of it to see it. Like Jesus made them a part of it. He could have done it by himself, but he didn't, right? I think maybe the good news is the That it's not the blessings that go to you that make you fulfilled. It's the ones that go through you that fill you up. It's one thing to receive a blessing and let it come to me. It's another to let it go through me. Now some people at this church are going to go to the Holy Land. And there's still room for more if you want to. We got pamphlets there. But we're going to go to the Sea of Galilee. And y'all, it is smaller than you think. It's about the size of the Ross Barnett Reservoir. That's it. And right there at the top, the little creek, little Jordan comes, th- comes to it at the top of it. And then there's, there's an outlet there and it goes 62 miles south, the River Jordan, and all the way down to what? What body of water? The Dead Sea. Sea of Galilee is one of the most uh, uh, ecologically rich and lively lakes in the entire world. The Dead Sea... There's a reason we call it the Dead Sea. There's not a living thing in it. What's the difference? The Jordan flows in and flows out of Galilee. The Jordan only flows in to the Dead Sea. And it's not the blessings that come to you that will fill your life up. Ironically or paradoxically, it's what blessings go through you. So what is going through you? What are, you, what are you good at? What, what do you have? Just show me a couple of fish and a little bread. and That's what Jesus wants and Jesus can do so much. Now some say, oh great, nice rah-rah session cheerleader man. But here's the thing. I got bills to pay. I got a sick mother who says I don't visit enough. I have a broken bumper I can't afford to fix. A son who's addicted to drugs. A, a daughter who's almost failing high school. I get five hours of sleep at night. I've got in-laws that are disappointed in me. A husband with heart disease. Jesus, we're nowhere. Jesus, we got nothing. To see, the disciples don't yet quite fully trust Jesus. They don't want Jesus to take their training wheels off and who could blame them. But I wonder, what if we fully trusted Jesus? I mean, what would happen 10 minutes after this service if we really believed that in Jesus we have enough and more than enough? What would change tomorrow at 10 a.m. at your work? I know what would happen. Exodus would happen. Let my people go. Let my people be full of manna and Sabbath and promise and compassion. Let my people go. We'd offer a different kind of life 
church than that of Herod or Pharaoh? I remember right after Hurricane Katrina, you remember how much chaos there was in Jackson? Well, I was in Hattiesburg. It was maybe a little bit worse in Hattiesburg. 90% of our roads were blocked and no electricity. It was just awful. Y'all remember that? The sheriff said, when the sun goes down, nobody's walking on these sidewalks or you'll go to jail. It's like, wow. And we were all, you know, and there was a freezer there, no power, a freezer. And that was the Holy Grail at Court Street United Methodist Church. You know what that had in it? The United Methodist Women Casseroles. <laughs> and that was, our, that was our treasure, man. They, were, they would get, they, those old ladies would be great in those cheese, that cheese at 6 o'clock in the morning. Bruce, when are those younger mamas going to help us out great in this cheese? And, you know, it was made with a lot of anger, but it was really good. <laughs> I know. Please... Please don't tell them I said that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. They were the best casseroles ever. And they were expensive. And boy, I had to get my hat in my hand and get real. Like, we, they were going to go bad anyway. So I asked the president of UMW, who, I mean, our UMW is great. This, they make great stuff with great love here. So, but the, but, so I walked to her and I said, do you think we might? could just give these away to hungry people. And uh, she had to sleep on it. I mean, she really, she didn't just say yes right off the bat, but she did. And I'll tell you what was amazing is, is we had the fanciest to-go plates probably in the whole state of Mississippi. I mean, we were, we were, we were done. But, you know, out of, out, of this, out of this crisis, out of this nothingness and nowhereville, there are these treasures that came up. Our youth group... It was, how, do, how, do you say, how, how can I even explain our, our youth group there? They had no resources. They were African-American children who had come to our church because for whatever reason, we had these social workers there too. And, but they were awesome kids. They were beautiful children. And we were getting them into college, first-generation people. And it was just awesome. And, and, and they, they were... Uh, they were managing the room, the diapers and all that, because all these trucks were coming in from Michigan, giving us all these, uh, all these things that we could give away. And people were so mad at them because they assumed that they were there in line to get. And finally, one of my members kind of had to correct somebody in line, said, these young men and women are Court Street members. They're trying to get this ready so that you can get fed and get your diapers and get formula and all that. And you could just see those kids standing up straighter and prouder because, y'all, the blessing was going through them, not to them. And it was maybe the first time in their lives that they were taken seriously and not just receivers, but 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 true followers of Jesus who could bless other people through what God had given them. It was awesome. Do you think God will be in your looking and in your compassion and in your breaking and blessing and giving or not? That's the question today. Yay or nay? You think Christ in Christ you'll have enough? I do. I really do. Jesus is my exodus. Jesus is my way through. Don't let the blessings just come to you. Let them go through you, church. 
You give them something to eat, said Jesus. And when you do, Jesus will be working. You'll feed them, says Jesus, because of me, because I'm with you. You know, religion, I saw in my notes, in my Bible, it said this. Religion is doing great things for God. Christianity is doing great things with God, and there's a difference. Jesus still offers exodus for the overwhelmed, the overscheduled, the overstuffed. Jesus offers a space, feast, community, but we can miss it if we're looking at our watches. We'll, we'll miss it when the miracle jumps out of the water. Maybe we're afraid. Exodus always takes you where you've never been. That's scary for some people. Never been is not as comfortable as nowhere. Some don't think they deserve a full fulfillment. I'm not a saint, Bruce. But you see, Jesus didn't just fill up the good people. He filled up the suspicious, the dirty, the failures, the distracted. He filled them all up. Sent them away full. What would happen if we knew that the bread never runs out? What would happen if you really believed that? I'm looking back at Jeff Wheeler right now because Jeff is our very brave bookkeeper. And uh, he says, man, I know, you know, um, and oh my goodness, um, you know, we're, we're having a, a time with our heating and air right now, but he keeps saying, I just, we're, we're going to be fine, Bruce. I asked him this morning, I said, how you doing, Jeff? Never better, never better. I love that. He must have a little clue that God's bread never, never runs out. Always leftovers in God's kingdom. My dad's 80 years old. I'm going to finish with this, and I'm sorry, we're running over. Um, we'll get to the table here. My dad's 80, and he thought he was going to love retirement, and he wound up hating it. What's going on, Dad? You know, what, what's the problem? He said, I can't stand not knowing what day it is. So he started to go back to work. And you know what he does in Brookhaven? He's a drug dealer. Yeah, but not the kind you think of. He works for Bain Drugs, and he delivers drugs. And he, you know, he gets in a little car and goes, and he's had all these exciting jobs all his career. And he says, this is my favorite job I've ever had. Why, Dad? He said, because people are lonely. And even more than the prescriptions. You know what they need, Bruce? Just somebody to talk to, to pray with. I said, Dad, you've been ordained, man. You're a minister. The two loaves, the five fish. Some words just get into your head and they become a forever gift. Let these words get in your head. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember the feeding. Remember the compassion. Remember the invitation. You feed them. Because Jesus is more than a motivational speaker from Hawaii. He's a healer and a savior from Galilee. Twelve baskets, y'all. There's twelve baskets left over in the narthex every Sunday here. You take some of that broken bread with you and let that blessing go through you, not to you. And you won't ever again have time to worry about the curse of a half-lived life. Amen.